0: Being the boss can take a toll on your mental health. You're hiring, you're firing, and you're always trying to make sure that there's enough money left over. I chatted with my biz bestie, Shannon McClay, about how being the CEO and founder of the financial gym has affected her mental health. On top of that, we discuss how she is being a trailblazer in creating a company that prioritizes the mental health and well-being of her staff. If you are an entrepreneur, you won't want to miss this. The mental health and wealth show, the mental health and wealth show, the mental health and wealth show. Thank you so much for listening to the mental health and wealth show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide, so if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today we have my biz bestie joining me, Shannon McClay of the Financial Gym. Hey, Shannon. Hello, Melanie. So excited. I'm on your podcast now. (laughs) I know. I've been on your podcast, Martini's and Your Money, for like five years now, and I've been on the happy hour episode once a month, and this is like a
1: long-term relationship. So (laughs) long-term, so so loving, filled with love and support, and I was like, when are you going to have me on your show? What?
0: What? (laughs) I know, and after a lot of our conversations recently, I was like, oh, I know exactly what I want to talk to you about. And that's mental health and entrepreneurship. But before we dive into that, I want you to tell people a little bit about yourself and as well as the financial gem.
1: Yeah. So I am an entrepreneur. We're talking about (laughs) mental health and entrepreneurship. I always tell people I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I graduated 20 years ago from business school, and I just wanted to make money and um, not change the world. And then in my early 30s, wanted to change the world and not make money. Um, <laughs> and I had the idea for the financial gym. And now seven years ago, I saw a need for financial support for people of all financial shapes and sizes. So I was working as a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch, and you had to have 250,000 in assets to um, to be my client. And there's plenty wow. of people in the world who don't have that. I want to speak to a human being and shouldn't be forced to have to you know, figure it out with technology. So I left Merrill seven years ago to start building this. It was one of those ideas where I just couldn't sleep at night because I was like, no one else is going to do this, or no one's doing this, and somebody has to do it. And I guess it has to be me. So that was my catapulting into entrepreneurship. The first two years, I called the dark years. I went through everything I own personally to try to figure this out. When I started, I had uh, over $250,000 in my four- 401k. And now it's zero. <laughs> the Wednesday. joke, is, yeah. The joke is when you come into the gym, you're sitting in my 401k. So that is my <laughs> 401k investment. You're like, welcome to my 401k. Hope yeah, I mean, it. how many people can sit in it like that? And <laughs> you know, and my 401k is now filled with over over 3,000 members, 57 teammates, dozens of part time employees, and um, it's the best investment I've ever made love this. Yeah. I love the
0: financial gym. And I remember when we did Lola retreat there in New York a few years ago, and I just walked in there and I was literally blown away by everything that you had done. Just the space felt so comforting, like everything that you've created. So you are my favorite entrepreneur friend, which is why you're my biz bestie. I think you're so inspiring Like to have a brick and mortar location in New York city, to be able to support people financially that really
1: actually need it. Like Love, love, love. Yeah. We now have four <laughs> brick and mortar locations, actually. So we've got- That's so crazy. Our HQ, which is in Manhattan. We've got Brooklyn. We've got DC. And we've got LA, all under varying degrees of non-openness thanks to COVID and current <laughs> yeah. protesting. But yes, we've expanded too.
0: Love it so much. So you, know, you talked a little bit about your entrepreneur journey. And you faced a lot of challenges, as you mentioned, like reading your 401k, the challenges of growing your team, growing from one location to four. How has being an entrepreneur
1: affected your mental health? Oh, it is a constant, constant uh, challenge on the mental health. I uh, every single day, it's it's a challenge. And you know what's interesting is over the last seven years, it's come in different ways. So in the beginning, when it was just me. With an idea, trying to figure it out, it was impacting me and my family. You know, as I'm going through the 401k and realizing I was worth more dead than alive, I was like, that obviously weighed on me because um, oh. I had I had life insurance, and I did literally have thoughts of like, maybe it'd be good if I got hit by a bus now because you know Bill and Will would have 750 thousand. That's my life insurance policy, yeah. and uh, maybe that would be best for them rather than what I'm doing. It's
0: oh, so heartbreaking
1: yeah, you know, but these are the honest conversations, right? I literally did have those moments, right? And then wanting to go back and make money for the family, but knowing I needed to do something bigger and and pushing forward through that. And then then I started hiring people. And then it was the mental health of like, oh my God, I have to support Bridget. <laughs> who was my first employee, you know? and And now it wasn't just on me and the family, like the mental health of, like, oh, there's people's families involved in this. And two years ago, I went to a really dark place at time that you and I are both talking about, like the business running out of money. We're both running out of money in our own personal businesses. And I was just feeling like I don't want to be the boss anymore. Yeah, And I remember feeling like in a really bad place. And at the time I had eight employees and one of them quit. And I remember being like, how nice for you you can walk away from this like i can't walk away because eight families need to have food on the table and relying on me to not walk away like that was a very extreme you know mental health that was you know it was 2 years ago and i worked through that and now this last recent challenge we were over 70 employees and then covid happened and now i've got more employees. We're running out of money again. Um, The business is not doing well because we have uh, clients who've lost their jobs and we're trying to care for them. And I have pressure from our investors because we're running out of money and they don't want to give us money. And and then I have the pressure of 70 families now and knowing I can't keep all of them, the business won't survive. And how do we get through that? And then just when we feel like we're kind of working through COVID, then the race, uh, riots happen and all protests protests and, you know, and now having to manage the team through this and, you know, myself, it just, it just doesn't end.
0: Yeah. It seems like a lot to manage both for yourself and for others. And then there's like, you as like the company self and as you as like your personal self and then trying to manage both day to day and going back and forth. And I totally understand that feeling of like, I don't want to be the boss anymore. I don't want to make decisions anymore. I don't want to care about every little thing all the time. And of course, like you do personally care, but it's just exhausting to care professionally and wanting to do it the right way and to help people in the right way and to also carry on what they're going through too. And it's like a fine balance of like, I need to manage my mental health for my sanity, but I also want to be supportive and empathetic of others, which means I can't necessarily always just take on their issues as well. Like that's a ton. And yeah, I know it's affected you recently because you said, uh, on our last call that you took two days to yourself where you were just in your pajamas watching movies and you literally did nothing. And you said you hadn't done that in about 10 years. So like what brought you to that moment and how did it feel?
1: Yeah. So that recent moment was in the middle of the COVID, um, Experience we had to let go of about twenty teammates, and and we have some people on part time now, and and helping them manage through that, and and the fear and anxiety that the team is feeling, they're running out of money. It was like all the things, and I, and it hit me sometime in the middle of this, just how I, I was very aware of how mentally drained I was, and I said to my head of HR, I said to the team, I was like the leadership team, I was like, we're all going through something extremely traumatic right now. However, we process trauma. We process trauma differently. But to pretend like it's not traumatic is that's wrong. So, we're going through trauma, and we have to process it differently. And I wanted my team to take time off, and I said I want everyone to take a mental health week. It's a quote free week from the gym. It doesn't count against your vacation. And I know you probably can't go anywhere, but I want you to just unplug from work, from one aspect of your life, and just unplug and really like recharge your your mental health. And um and so. My head of HR took the first week and I said, I'm, I am right behind. I'm taking one of the, like I said, from, you know, May to June, I said, take your week whenever, you know, have your backup or whatever. So this, I had a board meeting that Friday before and it went horrible I mean, horrible, like, you know, not that I need like a pat on the back, but like we went through a very challenging time and to have investors still kind of tell you you're not doing it right was like, was rough. And you know, I'm a type A overachiever. I need, mm-hmm. I need to be told I'm doing it right. And I wasn't. And, um, and really I wanted them to support my team. I asked for that and that didn't happen. So anyway, I was over it. And, uh, that Saturday I woke up in my pajamas and I was like, I'm not getting dressed today. Like, I was rebellious. Like, it was some kind of rebellion. I was like, I don't even want to get dressed. I'm yeah, not like, nope. getting dressed. Like, why would I get dressed? And it hit me at some point. I was like, I don't know the last time I left my pajamas. And it was it was greater than 14 years ago it was when Will was a baby. But that was when I was a new mom, you know, and I was like on that kind of struggle bus. Other than that, I don't even know the last time I spent a day in pajamas. And it was even to the point where it was so bizarre that I went to bed that night, Saturday night, and I was like, huh, I don't have to change. Like, what an interesting thing. You know, I don't have to change for bed. I've been in bed clothes all day. Like, it was like that bizarre that I was like, I don't know the last time I didn't change for bed. And um, and then day two, same thing. I I did put on clothes at some point. And then day three, I went for a drive and kind of started moving around. Day four, like Tuesday, I started reading more and kind of doing the things to fuel my soul. And it felt like a little more normalized. And then And then by that Sunday, I was like, I'm ready to go. I am here. I'm back. I came back and my team's like, we can tell your energy is better. And then the joke I've had with the team now, this is just interesting for being a female entrepreneur that like is kind of a funny side note. There's a period of time now we're all working from home. Like there are some days where I just wasn't wearing makeup and we're doing weekly all hands. And I usually when I'm in the gym space or traveling, I'm in makeup, but like Mondays and Fridays when I work from home, I'm not. So it's not weird for me to not wear makeup, but usually when my team sees me, like the greater team, I'm in makeup. So I wasn't. And so when I came back, I was like, I'm going to wear makeup every day. My team feels dramatically better when I'm in makeup. Like I can see, and it's an odd kind of little nuance and they've all kind of admitted it to me. It was like my armor, you know, my feminine armor is like me putting on the makeup. Like if I am not, it's like, I'm. Like I'm throwing in the towel kind of thing, you know, and if they have to put confidence behind the leader, like, you know, that her face is there, which is just, it's been interesting. That's an interesting like aha moment. So every day now I'm putting on makeup for the team. It's my armor. I'm like, I'm here for them. I'm leading them through this. We got it. But you know, it was hard for me to put on the makeup, talking about dealing with mental health. I wasn't wearing makeup some of those days because I was crying through a lot of it. And I was like, why am I going to put on makeup when I'm crying through it? Totally. I mean, you don't
0: want your mascara running your face and like ruining everything. And wow, that is such an interesting thing. And yeah, definitely something unique to female entrepreneurs that, you know, they think maybe you're quote more put together or like ready to handle business when you're all made up and whatever. And that's something that I constantly go back and forth in my head as like a business owner is like people say like, show up the way that you want to be treated or looked at. And I'm like, I understand that to an extent, Dress like you, are dressing for the part. Yeah. Yeah. But also I'm like, but what I bring to the table is so much more than my appearance, my style, my whatever. And like, I actually recently made that change with Lola Retreat where the first couple Lola Retreats, like I was always wearing dresses and trying to be all like cutesy and feminine. And I'm just like, I'm not the most comfortable in dresses. I prefer to be in jeans. I'll wear a nice shirt, but I prefer to be in jeans. And I did that in Lola Seattle and Lola LA. And I felt so much better. Just yeah. to be like, you know what? This is myself. But like, yeah, I, I am a little concerned like, wow, what are people thinking of me that I'm not like wearing a suit or wearing a dress? And like hearing this, I just think it's so fascinating, like people's image with style and makeup and what they ascribe that to female entrepreneurs. And then suddenly in their mind, maybe even subconsciously, they think like, oh, I don't know if Shannon has it together. She didn't put on makeup today. She's looking rough
1: today. Yeah, she's (laughs) looking rough today. What's going on? I've called them all out on it because they all were making comments about how like refreshed I looked or whatever. And it was just, I was wearing makeup again. And I was like, and I've told them, I was like clear it, like one of our recent all hands. I was like, clearly you all feel better mentally and I will do what I can to keep this team and carry this team through it. So if it's me putting on makeup, then I will do whatever I can to support my team. Wow.
0: Huh. I have to think about that more because that is just interesting. And I don't know, it doesn't sit super well
1: with me, but I understand what you're doing. Well, you know, it's interesting because like Caitlin on my team was like, oh, I don't feel like I got that, but she's not somebody who always wears makeup. And I realized when the team always sees me, I'm in makeup. So it's a look that I've presented that they're used to seeing and, um, and for better or worse, that, that is what it is. Like, So
0: yeah, I guess like with anything, you know, people are uncomfortable with change. And so I guess maybe that's like the thing. It's like, oh my gosh, everything in the world is changing. Can you not change this right
1: now? (laughs) Can Shannon just put on her eye makeup and like let us look at her like she looks norm quote normal to us? And (laughs) that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, in my head, I was feeling liberated that I could not wear makeup and be myself in front of the team. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you were like having that moment (laughs) for like a second, like a day or two. And then, well, I'm sorry to hear that. But like when I think about it, it probably is mostly about the change thing. Like everything is changing so quickly right now. And even though it's a subtle difference, they're like, oh, my gosh, like you wear makeup literally every single day to work and look a certain way. And now I don't even recognize you. Like I can't handle this one more shift when you're like the person that I look to. And trust. talking about mental health and entrepreneurship, like that's like a lot to hold on to. And so first of all, I'm super glad that you took those two days to just be in your pajamas and watch movies. Like we all need that time right now. Like we must, like if anything comes out of this pandemic, the protests, whatever, we all need more rest, like actual rest, not just like scrolling on our phone, not just like. You know, being lazy, just like actual resting in bed in your pajamas, like doing what makes you happy. And, you know, when you told me about giving your staff a mental health week off, I just thought that was so brilliant and beautiful because I think you are paving the way for how companies need to address mental health and mental wellness culture. Because I feel like a lot of people like, A lot of employers want to help with mental health. You know, they might have an employer assistance program, maybe a few hotlines, maybe even like one or two workshops. And I think they're all trying to get familiar with what that looks like. But I think what you did was so generous and also unique because you were like, take a mental health week. It doesn't have to come out of your benefits. Don't worry about that like take care of yourself. And, and that's up to you. Like, you know, it's kind of freestanding and to give people that time, especially, I think is so beautiful. And I hope that it inspires other to other companies to do the
1: same. I do too. I think as employers, I think, you know, you're crazy to not admit or not acknowledge what your teammates are going through. And you know, to expect them to perform at a certain level or expect them. And even now, you know, we're working through with our black teammates about what they're going through and to expect them to show up to a zoom meeting and be their best self. Like I don't have that expectation of them. I don't want them to have that expectation of themselves. And I don't see enough employers acknowledging that. And, you know, and then you see the struggle to like bring your best. Up. And it's like, no, don't bring your best. Up. Like, let's create this safe space. We're in we're so many challenging times. And, you know, it's just turning a blind eye or pretending like mental health doesn't like trickle through. It's just not a luxury you can make as an employer. It's at, in this day and age. It's like there's too much impacting your employees to
0: mm-hmm.
1: pretend like it's not.
0: I love that. And you know, when you think about it, like mental health directly affects productivity. So why wouldn't it be an issue that employers care about when like, if you're looking at it from a quote business standpoint, like productivity output, you know, bottom line, your employees need to feel well and be okay if you want them to work. Because when your mental health is not there, you're not doing shit. And it's like, I'm I'm so happy that you're recognizing like what's going on currently. I think it's important for employers to address what's going on in the black community right now. There's so much trauma and violence and like, yeah, white people don't know what that feels like viscerally. We know what it's like from an empathetic point of view and like being human and how sad it is. So I think it is important for us to create that space and be like, I want to address what's in the room and give you the
1: space to heal. But even from an empath, I'm a highly empathetic person and I, I can come nowhere close to the trauma that they are experiencing. And I, I talked about this offline, but you know, I'm seeing my friends of color on Facebook just talking about how exhausted they are, how mentally exhausted they are. And for me, it's like the realization of like, oh, this isn't just like another thing. It's not like it's another school shooting. It's like every time it happens... It's so traumatic, and it's like you know the cuts, the wounds—they just haven't healed. And so it's very—it was a real eye-opening thing for me to see how many people were posting that. And then that, then that led me to think about my teammates, you know, my employees. And I'm like, I mean, God, if they're going, I don't want them to like, you know. And then we're having conversations with them because I'm like, I know you might not even know what you need, but like, do what you got to do. Like, if it's taking days off, weeks, off, whatever it, you need to do, like. I'm care more about them than like the bottom line at this point. And I've always been like that. We have a team of human beings, not a team of robots, you know, so they'll engage when, when they will. And the rest of us will pick up the slack and help them through it. That's what we do as a team.
0: I love that. And I think you're setting such a beautiful example for other companies. And I think this is something we're all navigating in a new way. And like a lot of white people in particular are saying like, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. And, I know Kirsten Saunders from Rich and Regular, she has this great saying, well, a saying that I heard from her rather about like learning out loud, like it's better for like white people to be learning out loud right now and make the mistakes and like change course and be open to a dialogue and be open to what's going on. And like, I think you're just taking direct action and what you think is right for your employees and having that conversation be open and just even creating space for them to feel comfortable to do that is is wonderful. And I think a lot of employees and a lot of employers need to work together to like make sure as a company, like there's the company mental health too, I feel like. Like, You know, obviously everyone's individual mental health, but I feel like as a collective, even like a company has its own mental health in a way.
1: Well, yeah, there's the collective because it's quote obvious to like know that our, our black teammates are heavily impacted, but our other team, I mean, I see people posting on social media about like, why is it Black Lives Matter is it only because you have a green card? You know, so we have our Hispanic community, you know, Is this is somebody who's Hispanic nature, like concerned about that. Like where were the protests? There when ICE was caging people. And then there's the white teammates who are like, I don't know what to say or do, I don't know how to proceed. Like, and they're just kind of not sure how to engage, you know, online. Like our Slack channel right now is very quiet, right? Like there's that, like, how do we, you know, move forward? And for me, I think I always feel like everything happens for a reason. And and the hardest of challenges bring the greatest good. And for me, what I'm hoping is like, and what we're doing at the gym is like creating systemic change from an employee employer standpoint, but also like our community, because, this just can't keep going on. Right. So how do we systemically change this and have more productive race conversations as an employer and acknowledge that, like, how do we do better as an employer for our employees? And then how do we do better for our clients and our community? Like, how do we do better? Because we're not doing good. (laughs) Like, We haven't been doing good. Like, you know, and I know, like, I know some of my team hasn't like loved that it's taken us this long to respond and, you know, and I'm responding And I know I've failed them, you know, and I have to own that. I don't I'm not saying I'm winning at this, but I say all this all the time to the team. It's like all we can do is get better every day. And that's all we can do. And for me, I feel like we're in the first chapter of this change because I really feel like this is like a bigger thing and I want it to be a bigger thing and I want it to be more systemic for our company and the greater good. So I might have failed this first chapter, but you know, I've never failed anything in my life. So yeah, but yeah, you're learning
0: out loud and you're shifting and you're making it happen. And yeah, I love that you're focused on working on the company mental health and like making it a systemic shift instead of just like, oh, here's a little band-aid, like we're going to acknowledge it. Cool. Like you're really trying to create the change as part of the foundation. And I think that is huge. Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about more of the money and mental health Um, Related to being an entrepreneur, so you are in this whole world of venture capital and raising money. And I know, like, you've been my biz bestie for like five plus years or something. And that's the one thing where I'm like, I don't even know like where to start. Where you even learn about this, like Series A, Series B, like I don't. This is like a foreign language to me. (laughs) Yeah, foreign language to me too. (laughs) It sounds super stressful to have to raise millions of dollars and talk to these investors. And I don't even know where you find investors. Like, can you talk about the process, what it's like on your mental health specifically to raise venture capital and especially what it's like as a female entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. So raising venture capital, raising any kind of money for your business is... Um, It's like dating. You know, it's the worst kind of dating because you have to go out on every date. You have to try to find dates, right? At least with dating, there's apps and you know people who are there are like open to it. Like with raising money, like you might might know that there's venture capital investors and maybe they invest in your space, but you don't know if they want to go on a date with you, even have a like a text, you have a phone call. So you're putting yourself out there so much. It is a lot about networking and, and, and putting out there like, Hey, I'm dating anybody interested in going on a date, finding out about me. And like, you know, and then you've got every entrepreneur has their Dating profile and what they look like for me. I I wanted to create a brick and mortar, so I was like the equivalent of being divorced with a kid, which I am divorced with a kid. So that's <laughs> the world is like I've got like baggage, you know, like, yeah. um, like oh, why do you want to do that? Well, oh, I have to invest in the kid too. Like I don't want to, I don't want to inv- I'm a fintech. Yeah, like that. that's a lot. In. That's a lot to ask of me yeah. to support. Um we, we just invest in apps, sorry. Yeah. We're tech only, so you have a cute kid, but no. Um so So, yeah. And then, so I, and and why I say that is because I had so many initial meetings with people and so like a lot of first dates and then not having second and third dates. And they're like, oh yeah, we really don't like the brick and mortar concept. And I'm like, well, why did we have the first date to begin with? Like, why did you lead me on? And the reality (laughs) is like a lot of investors just want to have that first date because they all want to say they passed on it or they saw it or they want to be in the know. And so you're spending all this time, like, Putting on the the, the game face, putting on the best show, telling the story, and you know I've done the numbers now. I've had over over four hundred conversations now. I've raised eight and oh a half. Million. Woo! Eight and a half million, I've folks. Eight and a half million. Um, I've had over four hundred conversations though to get to. I think I have twenty investors. So the numbers are just very trying on your mental health. So like you have to like. You know, like, I always think of uh, the scene from um, All That Jazz. Do you know Mm -hmm. the movie All That Jazz about Bob Fosse? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning where he's, like, got the red eyes and he's putting in the, you know, like, the eye drops or whatever, trying to get his, like, get his you-know-what together. And he's, like, it's showtime, you know, like, trying to convince himself, like, it's showtime. That's what it's like. You have to, like, you know, put the game face on, all this stuff, and be like, it's showtime, even though you don't feel like that in your head because you're, like – You've heard so many no's that you're like, how do I go in there and be highly confident when 50 people told me no and I still have to go in and think it's the greatest thing ever? And I've said, you know, at this point, I've had over 400 conversations. I have heard from every investor and when you pull it all together, pretty much every aspect of my business is the worst idea ever. If I put together all the feedback, like, some people hate the brick and mortar. Some people hate the finance. Some people hate that we have human beings as as trainers. Some people, you know, hate whatever. Like literally, every part of my business could be. It's been hated on. That's a lot. Yeah, that's like everybody telling you your kid's the worst. Like all the different reasons are your kid because that's what your company is. Like it is like a child, and you do feel that much care and love for it. And to hear consistently how unappealing it is is very challenging. So um it is rough. And there have been times where, you know, I I went through we went through the series A process and I had an investor pretty much tell me like, we're there, like we're so interested. You just have to ask. I asked. I put myself out there. I was like, hey, ready to do a deal. And they were like, no. So that was like that was a crying fest. And then ended up finding the investor and that was last August. And I literally took um I took the month of August off from raising, like, because I I consistently raised from August. To, like, I've been on a solid year of raising because we were doing another raise that led into our Series A raise. So I was dating nonstop for a year, and I was like, Ugh. I can't go on a single date again. Um, <laughs> we got we got like four million in whatever that was, and I was like, I just need a little break from that too. So yeah,
0: that is so much, and I'm so glad you took a break and. Kind of on that note, like what are you doing to manage your mental health? Both whether it's personally, professionally, like what are you doing to manage your mental health right now?
1: Yeah. So it goes through it goes through stages. I I keep saying I want to have a professional in my life, but acknowledge that like the best time to have a professional is not when you're in like trauma time and yet. I always just seem to be like high levels of trauma. So I'm like, so I've gotten very good at like the self analytics of like getting myself back, you know, um, figuring out what it is I need to do to like get back. Like in general, um, something I discovered a few years back was that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can, you can and do work seven days a week, non you're always available, always doing the things. And I was feeling that as, especially as we were starting to hire people, you know, the gym was growing and I realized that I needed to take off like a weekend and just unplug, you know, not be available, not do whatever. And so every other weekend I have my son and he is a teenager. He sleeps till two in the afternoon. So I, (laughs) so I'm, I'm happy to work on those weekends. So I wake up on those weekends and I'll have client meetings on those weekends, like I'm hundred percent available. I'll be available for the team. Like I'm already working. And then I unplug it like two, and then I go into my mom mode, but the weekends I don't have him, I, I keep sacred. Um, and that I realized that about two years ago, and that was a hard thing to acknowledge that like, I needed two days to just like, not feel like I had to respond to emails to not give to my clients. I've had clients ask, you know, for weekend meetings and I've, have to hold those weekends sacred. Like I don't give those out as the days. Those are, and I've thought about it. I've had times where it might not work with their schedule. And I was like, no, I have to hold that time sacred. And um, and so I do. And so, but I crack up because when I think about it, I, I'm like, okay, so I need four days a month. Like, yeah. off, And that feels, mm-hmm. but that feels so good. Like it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but for me, that's what I need. And so Two years ago, I realized that. And i that's my general practice that has really helped me through on the mental health times because I really, in those weekends, do all the, refuel the tank, do the things that I need to do. When we've had really disruptive times, like two years ago when you and I were talking when I was like, I don't want to do this. Just recently with COVID, I've realized, um, you know, I need more time, you know, so it's not just, the weekend's mm-hmm. not going to get it done. And I have to allow myself, like I did that week off, like I had to unplug. I didn't check my work email. I did. The team did not reach out to me. I was not available. And I have to have that realization that, you know, I I was so the Jackson Brown song running on empty, you know, and I'm not doing doing anybody good if I'm running on empty. And for me, the realization I've had in the entrepreneur journey is like, there's different ways I have to fuel my tank. And it's a acknowledging when the tank is running low. Um, That's hard for an entrepreneur because like you're just running nonstop. And sometimes you're like, huh, empty signs on, like, how did that happen? You know, like, but you're on fumes. It's kind of like too late. So proactively not letting myself run out. Um, that's those every other weekends does that on a regular basis. And then when I have these bigger shifts, it's like, okay, taking a more dramatic time to refill the tank is really for me, what works. Yeah. I think you have to take that time. And I think what a lot
0: of people are finding right now with COVID, like I'm experiencing this as well, is that we all need more time. Like I know you and I are super type A high achievers. We can get a lot of stuff done all the time. And it's like a hundred percent is now like automatically 70%. Yeah. And we already know, like even producing a hundred percent is rare. So it's like, if you're doing quote really well, you're already at 70%, but let's be honest. Like I'm operating at like 30 to 60% most days. Yeah. And like, it feels really tough because you're like, I know I can produce more, but my body and mind get so exhausted much quicker. I've likened it to feeling like, you know, when you like download a big, file. And it's like, this will take 14 hours and 23 minutes to download. And then like, it keeps breaking. You have to keep doing it again, doing it again. Like, I feel like that's what's going on in the brain of your computer. Like, you know, the computer of your brain, rather, like, it's just like always in the background trying to download and process all of the information that's going on. And then like, oh,
1: the download didn't work. You have to do it again. And it's like, even though it doesn't seem like you're- Leave it to download uninterruptedly, then you're not going to fully download.
0: Yeah, you're trying to like get everything else done like normal. Like, we're all expected to work and take care of our families and do this and that. And it's like we're all consciously or unconsciously dealing with COVID, with racism, with violence, with fear, with uncertainty. And that's like a lot of mental energy, even if we don't realize that we're experiencing that. And so, yeah, I'm so glad you acknowledge that. Like, we do need more time now. And I don't think people should feel bad about that. Yeah. So I wanted to end the podcast talking about like you just shared kind of what you do for your mental health as an entrepreneur. Like, do you have any advice for people that want to be an entrepreneur, like ways that they can take care of their mental health or like what should they consider for their mental health if they want to be an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, their health and their wealth. Um, about entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I always say, like I said, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. So um, I always tell people there's two paths to entrepreneurship. I think there's one is like the thoughtful like prepare for it you know know what you're getting into talk to other people see if it's really for you have a year's worth of savings saved up because you know you just never know what's going to happen and it's stressful enough to like try to build a business and also put food on your table so um and you do you know most entrepreneurs have very you know their personal finances will become a mess like just because it's hard to do both so you know that's like the a route. Then there's B, which is the route I took, which is you are so passionate about what you want to build. You just know you have to be the one to do it and it has to exist in the world. And your passion will fuel you through the mentally difficult times and the financially difficult times. If you feel that degree of passion where you literally can't sleep at night, then I do think you should start the business. I don't think it has to look perfect on your finances or, you know, You do have to take care of your mental health. You should think, how am I going to go? It's a roller coaster ride to be an entrepreneur. They are extreme highs and extreme lows. And, you know, you have to be comfortable with that kind of pain and that kind of challenge from mentally to make it through because you need to push through those things. Um, You know, and financially, I always say everything we do financially is fixable. So I went through $250,000 on my 401k. I had $60,000 of credit card debt. I mean, it's a mess. Credit card debt's been paid off. And rebuilding, you know, for me, I'm like, I can rebuild the, I mean, I have equity in the gym, who knows like what's going to happen there. But I, um, I'm always like, I could always make more money or I always know how to like live off of less. I, what I've said throughout this journey, as I've gone, you know, my personal finances have been a mess. What I've always told myself is like, I know how to fix this, but there are so many people who don't know how to fix this. And I need to keep this business running. To be here for those people who don't know how to fix it. I'll fix my finances at some point.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Actually, you just uh, inspired me to ask one more question. So, as you mentioned, a lot of entrepreneurs intertwine their personal and their business finances is kind of a given when you're just starting out, especially. Like, how has that either affected you or like what do you think it's going to do to people when they see their finances? Like, typically they would be in great shape and then suddenly they're not, and it's because of the business. Like, how? How's that made you feel?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can imagine I started a financial health company and my personal finance looked like the mess. I felt like the ultimate like sham artist, you know? And I was like, if they knew, you know, we talk about fear and shame a lot. And I was like, but then I would tell my, I would say to myself, well, it only became a mess because I don't have a paycheck and I'm working for people charging them 75, $80 a month. Like I'm not swimming it. I'm not, I could work with people with wealth and charge them thousand dollars a month, but I chose not to so i had to give myself that you know breathing room and as an entrepreneur you have to give yourself that that relief or that break that you're not going to look perfect financially and your financial journey is going to be fits and start just like the roller coaster ride you're gonna have some really great wins and then you're gonna have some really tough times too and um and that you have to give yourself the break. Your finances shouldn't look like anything else. They shouldn't look like another business's finances. If you've got a friend who's also not a, you know, a entrepreneur or like a solopreneur or like whatever they're doing, side hustler, freelancer, like everybody's business is different. Everybody's path to their financial life and and how their business is going to succeed is going to be different. And so you just have to be comfortable with yours, you know and the biggest thing I like, I, I like to see and our see our clients do is just be able to like kind of create a um, paycheck for themselves. That's why I really would love to see that savings in advance and know like, okay, you know what, I'm going to create an automatic paycheck for my savings. And then all my business money can refuel that savings. But like, I know I'm going to be able to pay myself for the next six months to a year, no matter what I do. And that takes away, you know, some of the the mental health and financial health strain that you have on yourself, but it takes time. I mean, you know, the the financial stream now is making over $3 million a year. And I mean, my first year is like $4,000, you
0: know? So. Wow. That's, that's an amazing feat. So kudos to you, by the way. Wow. I hope you really take that and pat yourself on the back and, and, see that as a win just to all the people that either are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. And for you, especially, like, I think it's important for your mental health to take those moments and be like, I did that. Like I went from 4,000 to 3 million and like, I did that. And I think it's so important to take that time and celebrate, even if it's just for an hour, a day,
1: preferably, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledge that. So and acknowledge the journey you've been on my journey with me for five years. You know like how many times I've cried to you. how many times we've almost run out of money. and and I always feel like if you're like I said, if you're you've got the passion, the drive you want to do this, you are going to be tested as an entrepreneur. It's like there's so many times where it's like, how serious are you about this whole thing? Like you mm-hmm. really all in, like like I always say the universe testing you. and and it's like these hurdles, and each hurdle gets bigger and bigger, you know, and it's like, okay, now I'm going to put a bigger hurdle. But with every bigger hurdle is like bigger rewards, you know, and like bigger joys. And and there is always something greater on the other side of that hurdle. Getting over it mentally, emotionally, physically sometimes takes everything you have, but the rewards are amazing.
0: Yeah, definitely. The rewards are, you know, and related to the risk. And so you take a lot of risk, but you get unimaginable rewards and definitely acknowledge all of that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Shannon. This was so great to share your insights. And I think you're being a pioneer in how to focus on mental wellness in company culture. Where can people find you?
1: They can find me personally on Instagram at the Shannon McLay. They can find the gym on Instagram at the Financial Gym or financialgym.com. And we're on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff and Pinterest as Financial Gym.
0: And people can go to the Financial Gym website and if they're interested,
1: give you guys a call for a consultation and
0: get a financial plan.
1: Yeah. Financialgym.com. The um, first step is a free consult. And I always say like I and the people who do that lead the calls are a part-time team the, of our clients and they're not incented to sell you anything. That's super important for us. We just want to know what your story is, your financial journey is, and like if it makes sense for us to come along on your journey with you.
0: Love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review. If you want to suggest a topic or simply say hello, you can reach me at mentalhealthandwealthshow at gmail.com. You can check out the rest of our content at mentalhealthandwealth.com. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.